Good morning. Welcome to morning prayers. We will begin with a responsive reading from the Black Appleton Chapel Psalter book, Psalm number 15. Please rise as you are able. O God, who may dwell in your tabernacle? Who may abide upon your holy hill? There is no guile upon their tongues. They do no evil to their friends. They do not heap contempt upon their neighbors. In their sight, the wicked is rejected, but they honor those who fear God. They have sworn to do no wrong and do not take back their word. They do not take their money in the hope of gain, nor do they take a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things shall never be overthrown. You may take your seats.
The reading or text for this talk is from Shakespeare's Julius Caesar. The evil that men do lives after them. The good is oft interred, buried with their bones. Mark Antony doesn't really think that's a good thing. Neither do I. A few examples follow. Like other Puritans and the rest of us, Cotton Mather committed many sins. According to Robert Califf, another Bostonian who wrote in the 1690s, Mather's book about witchcraft did much to prompt the accusations that led to the infamous trials in Salem. Califf also wrote that Mather was present when George Burroughs, the only former pastor convicted, was hanged. Burroughs fervently defended himself and said the Lord's Prayer flawlessly, which witches weren't supposed to be able to do. The crowd grew restless when he was nonetheless executed. Mather spoke up, saying that Burroughs wasn't an ordained minister and that the devil was very tricky. The other hangings scheduled for that day took place and so did many others. And unlike Judge Samuel Sewell and some others, Mather never publicly repented his major role in bringing needless suffering to innocent people. And yet, a few years later, Cotton Mather learned something from a man he kept as a slave. During outbreaks of smallpox in Africa, his people made a small cut in the skin of those not yet ill and put into it a little juice from a smallpox sore. This would make them a little sick, but in many cases they wouldn't get a serious case of the disease, which otherwise was often fatal. During a major epidemic in 1721, Mather found one doctor who was willing to inoculate his family and many others. They kept careful records and reported the results, and many lives were saved then and later. Boston Globe columnist Jeff Jacoby has denounced President Millard Fillmore as having been morally obtuse concerning the evils of slavery and anti-immigrant know-nothingism. He was. However, perhaps God does sometimes work in mysterious ways. I'm convinced that Fillmore's approval of the Compromise of 1850 postponed the Civil War by 11 years. That made the defeat of the slaveholding leadership of the South much more likely. Had they not been defeated, legal emancipation of the slaves would have been delayed, surely, by at least another generation. In the 1850s, the North's economic advantage over the South greatly increased. More important, the implementation of the two major pro-slavery parts of the Compromise greatly increased anti-slavery sentiment, not just in the North, but in Great Britain. That was crucial. The new, much stricter fugitive slave law prompted Harriet Beecher Stowe to write Uncle Tom's Cabin, one of the most influential books in world history. Despite its flaws, it's a great book. Like Mark Twain's Huckleberry Finn, it's ethically sound and should never be banned for teenagers and adults. Consider what happens to Eliza Harris after she escapes across the Ohio River with her baby by leaping desperately from one ice floe to another. 
It teaches an important lesson. When confronted with actual cases of human need, many people will do the right thing. Stowe's novel presented such cases in unforgettable fashion. People can learn vicariously, not just from their personal experiences. Quaker poet John Greenleaf Whittier and other abolitionists protested Senator Daniel Webster's vote for the tougher fugitive slave law. But remember that William Lloyd Garrison's The Liberator called for no union with slaveholders. For many years, northern schoolchildren learned the climax of a speech Webster had made in 1830. Liberty and union, now and forever, one and inseparable. And the war of the North fought to preserve the union, led to the end of legal slavery in our country. The hymn we will shortly be singing was taken from Whittier's later poem, The Brewing of Soma. Most of that was unfavorable references to religious activities he didn't approve of. Among them, drinking intoxicants, mortifying the flesh, living as a hermit or a monk, and singing in friends' meeting for worship. The part that made it into hymn books reverently expresses Whittier's faith and practice. Thank God we can do that without disparaging the conscientious beliefs and conduct of others. Let us pray. In spite of our frailties and faults, may God help us to find the strength and courage to keep on trying to do what we should. Please now join in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Please rise as you are able to sing the hymn, Dear Lord and Father of Mankind, found on page 286.
May the Lord keep you from evil, and may the Lord keep you in your going out and in your coming in from this time on forevermore. Amen.